Welcome back, Hemming Brain Heads, to the Hemming Brain Head podcast. Talking about Book 11, Chapter 17. Got a nice little post here from Angel of the Dawn. Which says, I'll admit I've fallen pretty far behind in the chapter a day reading, especially over the summer. More things have opened up. Chances to meet up with again with friends and family increased and other books caught my eye. Ah, lucky. You lucky duck. We're in joy just in a lockdown here in Melbourne. And it's just... You know, it started as a one-week snap lockdown. And then we saw the cases growing and the cases growing exponentially in our neighbouring states as well, which bordered us. And it was like, yeah, this isn't going to be a one-week lockdown. So then they extended it for a further two weeks. and But then when they said that, it's like, yeah, but we just kind of know that we're not going to get out in two weeks. And then, of course, it got extended again. And I don't even know how long they extended it for this time because, you know, it's just I know it's not going to end at that point because the cases keep growing because of the bloody Delta variant. Anyway, we're all around the world experiencing the same thing. You don't need me to tell you all about it. Um, What was great to see is, you know, someone saying they're keen to catch up, they're giving it their best, and all these comments of support in the comments. Nidin28 says, Me too. I keep starting and stopping. I'm on book five, but I'm determined to catch up now that my kids are back at school. You can do it. People saying, Well said. I applaud you. Uh, I'm right with you, says Real Bobcat 23 Thanks for posting. I'm about one month behind, but have not given up hope yet. Keep it up, says Daniel Beaver. So, a lot of people giving the uh, support. It is good. I, I do like the one day at a time thing, especially for this book. I think it works well for this book. There are moments it slows down. There are moments it speeds up. Uh, but that's all kind of part of the flow Anyway, let's talk about chapter 17. Why doesn't Sonia and the Countess think they should tell Natasha about Andre? How do you think Natasha will react when she finds out about Andre traveling with them? And what was up with Natasha slash Pierre's conversation? Twisted Every Way says, I guess Pierre is still shell-shocked from the battle and learning about Helena. He definitely does not seem in his right mind. I don't think they told Natasha about Andre. Because her emotions swing so rapidly, she seems to be in a jovial mood, having helped pack the family up and persuaded her family to give the carts to the wounded. They are in a precarious situation and need to get out of Moscow with everyone's wits about them. Ripster66 says, Not only do Natasha's emotions swing wildly, but she's just barely out of her depressive state from the debacle with Karagin. I am sure her family wants to protect her and fear for her emotional state, which has been fragile to date. Alright. Um, that's the conversation. Not much conversation today. I guess it was that kind of chapter though, wasn't it? Not much to say about it. Alright, so what are we up to? Chapter 11. No, sorry. Book 11. Chapter... 18. Am I right? Yes, I am. I think about this now and then, how, um, you know, my project of translating War and Peace, just, I just got, you know, I just couldn't keep up. 
and it just fell off. It completely fell off. And that happened the previous year when I started it. I did book one, and then it fell off. This year I did book two, I did book three, and a bit of book four. Uh, and then, yeah, it fell off. And I'm very aware of that. And I, every day when I open up another chapter, and I look at how long or short the chapter is, and I think, oh, that's a long one today. And I think back to when I was every day not only reading the chapter to you guys, but also you know, rewriting it and translating it. And what an effort that was. And the weirdest thing is that I, I still want to do it. I still reckon I'll do it. I'll, I'll do this translation. I've got this kind of, you know, this dream that people have of like their daily routine, if all was how they wanted it to be. And mine is like, you get up, you know, you go for a surf. I don't even surf. I don't even surf. I've surfed once in my life and I stood up once during that surf. But that's part of my dream life. You get up, you live somewhere warm, you go for a surf, you spend, you know, two hours doing your translation work for the day, then you put that aside and that's that. And that brings you to about mid-morning, then, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if I just could have my, you know, ideal dream routine, that would be part of it. We'll get there one day. One of these days, my friends. Anyway, let's read chapter 18. Let's see how these people in our book are living their best lives. For two... Sorry. For the last two days, ever since leaving home, Pierre had been living in the empty house of his deceased benefactor, Bazdiv. This is how it happened. When he woke up on the morning after his return to Moscow and his interview with Count Rostopchin... He could not for some time make out where he was and what was expected of him. When he was informed that among others awaiting him in this reception room, there was a Frenchman who had brought a letter from his wife, the Countess Helena, he felt suddenly overcome by that sense of confusion and hopelessness to which he was, not, to which he was apt to succumb. He felt that everything was now at an end, all was in confusion and crumbling to pieces, that nobody was right or wrong, the future held nothing, and there was no escape from this position. Smiling, unnaturally, and muttering to himself, he first sat down on the sofa in an attitude of despair, then rose, went to the door of the reception room, and peeped through the crack, returning, flourishing his arms, and took up a book. His majordomo came in a second time to say that the Frenchman who had brought the letter from the Countess was very anxious to see him, if only for a minute, and that someone from Bezdiv's widow had called to ask Pierre to take charge of her husband's books as she herself was leaving for the country. Oh, yes, in a minute, wait. Oh, no, no, of course, go, and I'll say I will come directly, Pierre replied to the majordomo. But as soon as the man had left the room, Pierre took up his hat, which was lying down. Excuse me one second. But as soon as the man had left the room, Pierre took up his hat, which was lying on the table, and went out of his study by the other door. There was no one in the passage. He went along the whole length of his passage to the stairs, and frowning and rubbing his forehead with both hands, he went down as far as the first landing. 
The hall porter was standing at the front door. From the landing where Pierre stood, there was a second staircase leading to the back entrance. He went down that staircase and out into the yard. No one had seen him, but there were some carriages waiting, and as soon as Pierre stepped out of the gate, the coachman and the yard porter noticed him and raised their caps to him. When he felt he was being looked at, he behaved like an ostrich which hides its head in a bush in order not to be seen. He hung his head and quickening his pace went down the street. Of all the affairs awaiting Pierre that day, the sorting of Joseph Bastide's books and papers appeared to him the most necessary. He hired the first cab he met and told the driver to go to Patriarch's Pond, sorry, Patriarch's Pond, where the widow Bastide's house was, continually turning round to look at the rows of loaded carts that were making their way from all sides of the moss of Moscow, and balancing his bulky body so as not to slip out of the ramshackle old vehicle, Pierre, experienced the joyful feeling of a boy escaping from school, began to talk to his driver. The man told him that arms were being distributed that day at the Kremlin, and that tomorrow everyone would be sent out beyond the Three Hills gates, and a great battle would be fought there. Having reached the Patriarch's Pond, Pierre found that Bazdiv's house, where he had not been for a long time past, he went up to the gate. Gerasim, that sallow, beardless old man Pierre had seen at Torkov five years before with Joseph Bazdiv, came out in answer to his knock. At home, asked Pierre. Owing to the present state of things, Sofia Danilovna has gone to the Torkov estate with the children, Your Excellency. I'll come in all the same. I have to look through the books, said Pierre. Be as good as to step in. Makar Alexevich, the brother of my late master, may the kingdom of heaven be his, has remained here, but he is in a weak state, as you know, said the old servant. Pierre knew that Makar Alexevich was Joseph Bazdiv's half-insane brother and a hard drinker. Yes, yes, I know. Let us go in, said Pierre, and entered the house. A tall, bald-headed old man with a red nose, wearing a dressing gown and his galoshes on his bare feet, stood in the anteroom. On seeing Pierre, he muttered something angrily and went away along the passage. He was a clever, very clever man, but he now has now grown quite feeble, as you're on a seas, said Gerasim. Will you step into the study? Pierre nodded. As it was sealed up, so it has remained, but Sofia Denilovna gave orders that if anyone should come from you, they were to have the books. Pierre went into that gloomy study, which he had entered with such trepidation in his benefactor's lifetime, the room, dusty and untouched since the death of Joseph Bazdiv, was now even gloomier. Gerasim opened up uh, one of the shutters and left the room on tiptoe. Pierre went round the study, approached the cupboard in which the manuscripts were, and took out what had once been one of the most important, the holy of holies of that order. This was the authentic Scotch Acts, with Bazdiv's notes and explanations, he sat down at the dusty writing table and, having laid the manuscripts before him, opened them out, closed them, finally pushed them away and, resting his head on his hand, sank into meditation. Gerasim looked cautiously into the study several times and saw Pierre always sitting in the same attitude. More than two hours passed and Gerasim took the liberty of making a slight noise at the door to attract his attention, but Pierre did not hear him. Is the cabman to be discharged, your honour? Oh, yes, said Pierre, rousing himself and rising hurriedly. Look here, he added, taking Gerasim by a button of his coat and looking down at the old man with moist, shining and ecstatic eyes. I say, do you know that there is going to be a battle tomorrow? 
We heard so, replied the man. I beg you not to tell anyone who I am, and to do what I ask you. Yes, Your Excellency, replied Gerasim. Will you have something to eat? No, but I want something else. I want peasant clothes and a pistol, said Pierre, unexpectedly blushing. Yes, Your Excellency, said Gerasim, after thinking for a moment. All the rest of that day Pierre spent alone in his benefactor's study, and Gerasim heard him pacing restful, restlessly from one corner to another, and talking to himself. And he spent the night on a bed made up for him there. Gerasim, being a servant who in his time had seen many strange things, accepted Pierre's taking up his residence in the house without surprise, and seemed pleased to have someone to wait on. That same evening, without even asking himself what they were wanted for, he procured a coachman's coat and a cap for Pierre and promised to get him the pistol the next day. Makar Alexevich came twice that evening shuffling along in his galoshes as far as the door and stopped and looked ingratiatingly at Pierre, but as soon as Pierre turned toward him, he wrapped his dressing gown around him with a shamefaced and angry look and hurried away. It was when Pierre, wearing the coachman's coat, which Gerasim had procured for him and had disinfected by steam, was on his way out with the old man to buy the pistol at the Sukrev market that he met the Rostovs. Alright, there we go. There's that chapter for you. That's a little back, a little bit of backfill for you. What's Pierre up to? Who knows? Alright, thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.